Well, good morning to you and good morning to those of you watching online. So glad that you're here today, wherever you may be coming in from. My name is Josh, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. So if we don't know each other, just want to say hello. My name is Josh Cooper, and uh, I am the discipleship pastor here at Grace Point. And uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we are in part two of this sermon series called It's Just a Phase. And as you can tell already, it's a series on parenting. And we're going to jump in with both feet today. No fancy story, no illustration, no introduction, just straight up teaching because there is so much ground to cover. But I do want to encourage you that if you did not catch the first message called It's Just a Phase in this series from last week, you want to do that this week. Carve out some time, listen to the podcast on your commute, or watch the, watch the worship service or the message online because it will make things, things will make a little bit more sense here as I get going, and then I know that you'll be able to catch up because you're really smart people. But I want to pick up right where Pastor Tim left off from last week with your homework assignment. How did that go for you? Do you remember what your homework was? No, okay, let's review. Your homework was to see your kids as made in the image of God, to be molded into his likeness and on mission with Jesus' movement. That was your homework. So did you catch them in the act when they show up as Jesus would, as if he were them? Did you do it? Man, I bombed at it this week, right? Hybrid learning, killing me. Like, it's killing my wife, in, you know, and it's, it's hard. It's hard to do this. It's hard to see our kids made in the image of God, molded into Jesus' likeness and in on mission in his kingdom movement. But that's our homework. We're going to keep practicing that this week as a church so what I want to do right now is I want to build on that, that statement. I want to break it down. I want to pay attention to some key words, made, molded, and mission. And so what does that look like? The, the question is for us today is how? How do I actually do that? How does my family practice this? And the question for us to wrestle to the ground today is how do we make every week count. The answer's up there, by the way. It's on the screen by modeling it for your kids. And I know that that can feel like a, pro, a lot of pressure for some of us, I, but I just want you to know that that doesn't change the fact that the clock started ticking the moment your child was born. You have 18 years from the time they're born until they graduate from high school, approximately. I'm not a math whiz, but if you do that in weeks, 52 weeks in a given year, that's 936 years from the time they're born to the time they graduate high school. That's how much time you have to make it count with them. So let's paint a picture. Week one, she cried all night long, right? By week 70, which is a little over two years, she figured out how to flush your favorite things down the toilet, right? Week 260, she began kindergarten. 
Week 400, she had math homework that confused you. Have you had that argument yet? I know, sweetheart, that's what the teacher says and that's how you're supposed to do it. Let me show you an easier way. <laughs> right? Did you know there's another way to do the same problem in like a fraction of the time? Um, week 550, week 550, she begged you for a smartphone. Week 551, she begged you for a smartphone. Week 552, she begged you for a smartphone. You feeling me? Right? That's real. Week 645, she decided she was a vegetarian. Good for her. In the next week, she ate only cheeseburgers. Like, go figure. That's just what happens. Week 806, she got her first paycheck. Week 882, she broke up with her first boyfriend. And I'm going, what took you so long? Right? <laughs> Week 900, she started her senior year of high school. That's reality. My oldest, Naomi, just celebrated a number of milestones in her life over the last six months. In the last six months, she completed driver's ed. She got her license, her first car, her first job, her first paycheck, and she turned 17 years old. That's a lot of celebrating milestones in one person's life. And this means for my wife, Jacqueline and I, that we have, as she started, our daughter has started her junior year, we have less than two years with her under our roof. So from this moment, from this day, that means we have 100 weeks left before she graduates high school. Now, when Naomi was a baby, 936 weeks felt like an eternity. But now that she's a junior in high school, I can actually see how little time we have left before she's on her way to start her own adventure. Psalm 90, verse 12, is a passage you're familiar with. And I just want to read it to you. You'll know it as soon as I say it. Teach us to number our days carefully. Why? so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. It's not an indictment, it's an opportunity. Because if you're a parent or you're an influencer in a child's life, your goal is to visualize time in such a way that you stay focused on what matters each and every week. And last week, Pastor Tim he talked about the two colors, red and yellow, which are representing of two important things. The color red is the color of love that a person, uh, a child has in the home, and the color yellow is the, the color of the church, the influence of the church as being part of the light of the world. And when you bring those two colors together, you make orange. And so we're all about thinking orange here. And today, what I want to do is focus on the color red as in, in what happens in the home, because you are the red. You are their primary influence. And as a parent, the most important people that God has put in your life are the tiny little humans that you call your children. Those are the ones you're to disciple the most. So what does this look like? How do you actually do that? I actually think, and I've learned 
that we can really overcomplicate this. We can make this terribly difficult on ourselves and on our kids. So how do we do this? I think it's simple, or we can make it simple. We do it by modeling for your kids how to walk with Jesus and enjoy the company of his presence each and every week. And I already know, like some of you are thinking, Josh, I hear you, but. Yeah, but, you don't know, but. Um, and I just want to say I hear you back, and I have my own buts, because no one, when I was a kid, taught me this. They didn't teach me what, what made every week count and how to walk with Jesus. Thankfully, I had good friends and some people outside of my home who showed me how to walk with Jesus. And there's a lot of things that I've had to learn on my own through walking with Jesus. But I want you to know this. It's my responsibility to disciple my kids. It's your responsibility to disciple your kids. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's not the Christian school's job. It's not the nursery worker's job. It's not your parents' job. It's your job, if you're a mom and a dad, to disciple your kids. It's my job to teach my kids how to follow Jesus and to walk with him every day. And, and I realize that that is hard, but I want to make it simple. And so we're going to get practical with some things that I've been learning. I like to share with you the things that I've been learning and trying in my own family about about what this actually looks like. And so I'm calling these three things um, gifts. Three simple gifts that you can give to your kids to make it count as their parents. And you know the saying is true. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it what? Every time. I'm not aiming for nothing here. I'm aiming for these three things and only these three things. If you want to add more to whatever I present to you, you do that. But I can only handle three things, right? And so here they are. They begin with the letter A because I think, you know, we should just start things with the same letter. And I'm a pastor and a communicator. And it's easy for me to remember. Here they are. Abide, attention, and adventure. That's it. Now let's unpack that. You won't find this list in the Bible, by the way. Not listed explicitly like this. But what you will find if you look carefully and study Jesus' life. And look for rhythms. Look for habits. Look for patterns you'll see what Jesus thought was most important in his walk with God. It's the patterns. It's the repetitions. These are the things that we need to pay attention to because those are the things that, that Jesus made a priority. And I like to map things out. In fact, I have a great big whiteboard in my office, and it rarely is empty. It is usually just chuck full of lists and ideas and projects that I'm working on because I need to visualize things in, in a way that makes sense in my mind. And so here's how I've conceptualized this for those of you who this might be helpful. Right, maybe write this down. Draw three circles. It's called a Venn diagram. And put in the Venn diagram the three words to visualize what we're talking about here. Because I need you to know that these ideas that we're unpacking are not separate from one another. They're actually very interrelated. 
very relational gifts that we're talking about. And they're represented by circles, and the circles are connected in all the different ways and shows you that there's some overlap here. And so the first gift that I want to give my family, and particularly my kids, is the gift of abiding. Abide. There are lots of words that describe uh, what abiding is. Words like truth, presence, identity, image of God. Those are key words to describe what we're talking about here. But abiding is rooted in the truth we have in Christ as revealed to us in Scripture, in God's Word. God created humanity in His image to be His little image bearers all over the world. We are God's human icons, walking, talking, sleeping, working ambassadors, representing another kingdom in this world. And just because Jesus isn't here with us physically doesn't mean that his kingdom is, near, is any less near or that it's far away from us because we know, and I need you to get this if you're going to model this for your kids well, you need to believe that if you are trusting in Christ for his salvation, then Colossians 1.26, that Christ is in you, is 100% true. And that the kingdom is no farther than your heart. Makes all the difference in how you model this kind of life with your kids. That Christ is here because he's in me. Ephesians 2.10 captures this idea of abiding. I just want to share with you some examples like Ephesians that says we are God's workmanship in Christ, to do what? Good works. Yeah, you know your Bible. You know Jesus. And my friend Alan Briggs says it really well. He says, workmanship always comes before good works. It's impossible to do good work without understanding the deep abiding relationship that you have, the workmanship, the masterpiece that you are in Christ. And the gift of abiding is embracing this reality, right? That you are God's workmanship fearfully and wonderfully and delightfully made. Abiding is giving preference for God, how God sees you and delights over you, over and against everyone else's opinion of you. As much as of a mess that your life may be and my life is, God is completely in love with you. Because he is love. And he adopted you as his beloved child. And he welcomes you into his family through his son Jesus. I mean, if you're curious about this at all, just read Ephesians chapter 1. It lays it all out there. And I'm guessing most of you would recognize this passage too. Another example found in John 15. It's some of Jesus' most famous teaching. And you can turn your Bible there or follow along on the screen to John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's speaking to his disciples, and he says, remain in me. And that can also be translated, and it may be in your Bible, uh, 
stay in me or abide in me, live in me. Eugene Peterson says, set up shop in me. Remain in me as I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. There it is again. And the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And so you know Jesus' metaphor captures this relationship that we're to have with God the Father. That's a branch remaining or staying or living connected to the vine. Jesus calls it abiding. He calls it remaining. The branch, right, draws its life from the trunk or the vine. And I know there aren't an abundance of vineyards here in Kansas, but think about a peach tree or an apple tree or a cherry tree. A peach branch knows it's a peach branch because it's connected to the trunk of a peach tree. Right? And in the same way, we as Christians, as followers of Christ, we draw our life and we find our identity in the root of Christ. Drawing life and giving life are foundational for being a disciple, for forming our kids in our homes, for forming ourselves. And just so we're all on the same page, I want to share with you my definition of what a disciple is. It's very short, it's real sweet, and it comes from somebody else. His name's Bobby Harrington, and he says this, a disciple is someone who comes to Jesus for life and builds their life around Jesus. That is the essence of what it means to be a disciple. Someone who is coming to Jesus for life and then building their life around him. Because there, you know this is true. There is some fierce competition for your identity. Fierce. And the reality is, is most of us are fighting a battle that we don't even know we're in. It's a spiritual battle. And so you need to come. We need to come to Jesus for life. Being a disciple, deeply rooted in him, drawing our lives from his. And when we do this, Jesus promises what will happen when the storms of life come beating and down and brutalizing you from every side? He says, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock. We would say it's like a, you're like a wise person who built their house on concrete, right? So when the storms of life come beating you and the, flood rise, the floodwaters rise, your spiritual home will not get washed away. Remain, abide in Jesus, and you will bear much fruit. So that's the first gift. The second gift I want to give is the gift of attention. Attention. Words that go along with attention in my mind are like slowing down, being unhurried, worship, and rest. For a few years, I've been talking about this because I've been on this progressive journey towards slowing down to be intentional, more intentional with Jesus. And um, slowing down, being steady, just also learning a lot and tripping all over my toes. 
I have been learning to walk with Jesus at his pace rather than the pace of culture, the, the pace of fast, right? This fast pace, the pace of technology. And this has become an essential practice for me because I know, to, I know now that when I slow down, I pay more attention. You know this too, right? You know this. You know that when you go, look, I'm going to plant this seed you know that when you go looking at Corvettes, you will notice that the male owners all have mustaches. That's a free one for you right there. <laughs> now that's all you're going to see are guys driving Corvettes with mustaches. Um, but for all the good, and I'm going to pick on the internet because I've been picking on it for a while, and I'll keep picking on it until somebody starts listening, right? For all the good that the internet and social media brings to our lives, those of us who grew up as children pre-internet know that there is a dark, dark, dark shadow side to it. The evidence is clear. The more time you spend on the internet and social media, the more anxious, worried, upset, angry, and depressed you are. There's scientifically verified studies that correlate these two things. Facebook makes you sadder, not happier. You can argue with the research, but it doesn't change the research. All we can do is respond to what we know, right, and do something about it. And also, depending upon who you talk to, our IQs, our intelligence is decreasing, or at least our capacity to pay attention is decreasing radically. Studies have shown that being in the same room as your phone, even when it's turned off, reduces your working memory and problem-solving skills. So I'll just translate that for you. Your smartphone makes you dumber. And here's some really sad news. Our attention span is dropping each year. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was 12 seconds. That's how long the human attention span was. But since then, it's dropped to eight seconds. So just to give you a little perspective, a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. We're losing to goldfish, people. <laughs> right? But this can be changed. And here's my point. This is why I mentioned this bad news. Because there's an invitation in here. And the invitation, right, is this. An over-busy life fueled by technology that demands your attention is not going to give you the life you're looking for in Christ. That's an invitation. And an opportunity. And when we uncritically hurry our way through life and when we don't pay attention to the things that consume our attention... We just make it really easy for the devil to do his job. Attention is our scarcest and most precious resource today. You know, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says that our hearts follow behind our treasures. And usually, 
You've heard this sermon before. The pastor preaches on generosity, right? This one's coming up. Usually it means one of two things, time and money. But isn't it possible, especially for us today, that it also means our attention? Because without attention, we miss out on God's agenda, the things that he has for us when we're not paying attention. And for better or for worse, we become more like what we give our attention to. And so the gift that I want to give my kids, the gift of attention, means that I want my kids to pay ridiculous amounts of attention to Jesus. Ridiculous amounts of attention. Attention means that we're all in process of becoming someone. I'm not the same person that I was last week, and I hope next week that I continue to grow and mature in my walk with Christ, and I won't be the same next week as I am today. And if you were to plot the trajectory of the character of your life and who you are becoming, what does 10 years look like for you? Think about that. Think about the kind of person you want to be 10 years from now. And I, I want to become more like my rabbi, my Jesus. I want to mature into the kind of person whose default setting isn't to worry, but it's to trust. Whose default setting isn't to be angry, but to love. Not to selfishness, but to selfless sacrifice. I want to become a person that's not a slave to sin, but is unashamedly free in Christ. So you and I, we become what we give our attention to. Our kids become what we give our attention to as well. And the final gift that I want to give and pass down to my kids is this gift called adventure. Lots of words come to mind that describe this gift. Words like purpose, service, work, calling, even wilderness, art, risk, beauty, business, wonder, opportunity, and fun. Yes, fun. Describe an adventurous life. So when we look at the patterns and the habits and the rhythms of Jesus, what I see in the text shows me how Jesus equipped his disciples for adventure. He did more than teach them. He empowered them. He gave his disciples authority, permission, not just permission, but authority, real authority to act on his behalf. And then he sent them out to practice. I see in the text that Jesus loves adventure, and he invites us, and he invites our kids to go with him. You know, I came across an interesting statistic recently um, that I share often. The research that I've come across shows that the average American spends 93% of their time indoors. I mean, if you live to be 100, that's 93 of your years inside. I think that's kind of depressing, you know? Um, and so what I need, I need from myself and I need for my kids is little A adventures. 
and to bring my kids along with me to show them that following Jesus is anything but boring. You ever heard that? Man, church is boring. That's why Jacqueline and I, we plan camping trips and hiking trips. As you can imagine, tent camping with four kids has its challenges. Not everyone is equally enthusiastic about riding in a van all day long with all of our gear loaded on it with very little privacy while we're uh, taking vacation. You know, um, They're not as equally excited about that. And there have been many, 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 many times where we have said and we have threatened and we have thought, now I'm turning this thing around, right? If you can't behave... And I've just learned that that's part of the process early on. you got to get through that part and just keep going. And if we gave up every time someone complained, we would have missed out on some incredible moments, some incredible sights, some incredible adventures together. But the good news is, is you don't have to like camping to go on adventure. Adventure looks a lot, it looks like a lot of different things. Adventure looks like lakes and rivers. It does look like fishing and boating. It looks like this too. It looks like serving at the rescue mission. Adventure looks like four-wheeling on the family farm and taking care of grandpa's animals on the farm. It also looks like joining a small group. Adventure also looks like starting a small group. It looks like building a shed in the backyard with their help, right? Lots of useless nails in that shed. (laughs) But that's an adventure that we want to bring our kids on. When Jesus called his first disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were commercial fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. Translation, leave the family business and follow me, and I will show you what real fishing looks like. And this was too good of an offer for them to refuse because they immediately traded their sea legs in, right? And if we look later on, after they have been with Jesus for some time, in Luke chapter 10, it says this, After this, the Lord appointed, that's Jesus, appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead to him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. So Jesus had assimilated and brought in some more disciples, and he had equipped them to, excuse me, preach the gospel and to heal diseases, to mend broken bones, and to, yes, even cast out demons in this text. Sounds pretty far off, but you know what it does sound like to me? It sounds like an adventure. Imagine, what if you were the 73rd disciple? How would you receive that mission? Right? I don't know, Jesus. Kind of like hanging with you. Do I have to? Or are you on the other end, and you're like, you mean I get to battle demons? Yes, sign me up. 
I'd like to think like I'm in the sign me up camp. If I get to go to battle with demons, yeah. Jesus did it, now I can do it, I'm in. Jesus was all about adventure. And that's what happened because a few verses later, the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name, right? Adventure with Jesus. Risk, opportunity, building a shed in the backyard. And yes, casting out demons in Jesus' name. And I know we're only scratching the surface here as we wrap up our time today. But I hope that you, if you've never thought about this before, I hope that this helps. I hope that I've given you a gift here of three gifts, of abiding, attention, and adventure, so that you can remember how is it that you are to walk with your kids? How do you model a life lived with Jesus revolving around the things that matter most? For me, that's what I've settled on. And that's what I'm focused on. And even if you don't practice them yet in your home or in your life, you can starting this week. And so my advice, long-term wise, is that you begin to simplify your life. Begin by stripping it down to your core values and what matters most in your home. Cut out all the unnecessary stuff that is just absorbing all this time. And then begin to slowly incorporate abiding and attention and adventure. In the short term, if you need to know what to do now, I say... Start with abiding. Start by putting it in your calendar that you are going to spend time in God's word. Allow him to tell you who he is and who he made you to be. And then abide with your kids. Inside your worship bulletin, inside there, is one of these cards. And this is for parents just a helpful reminder that you don't have to figure this out on your own. We're here to help you, to come alongside you. And so we create cheat sheets and, and tools to help you as you help your kids learn to come to Jesus for life and to build their lives around him. And you can see there are five things on here, so simple and easy to do. And I even realize the irony of all the online resources here that are listed, including downloading apps. I fully get that. But these tools are helpful. And so if you haven't done these things, you can start doing them. Also, if you're online and you're not in person, the, the God time cards that go home with your kids that have the daily, uh, the, uh, the daily Bible study and conversation guides, those are sent via email each week. So you don't have to be here to benefit from those resources. If you're on that mailing list, you're getting those emails from us. If you're not, please let us know. Pop out at the Connection Center after the service 
or put it in the comments that you need someone to get you on that email list so you get those God time sheets because we want to get those to you so that you can start abiding with your kids. And even last but not least, it's, it's right now media. It's not on that card, but there are so many resources available to you on right now media, that things that you can go through with your family or with your kids um, to engage them and to show them uh, what walking with Jesus looks like. And so if you want right now media access, you can use your connection card and, and request access to that library. It's free for you uh, for being a part of our church. And so you can be invited to that by email. Let us know. We'd love to hook you up there. And next week, your next step, too, is to come back next week. Because Pastor Tim is going to look at the yellow part of the relationship, the influence of the church, as we come alongside you, as you work and disciple your kids at home. We're here for you. And so he's going to be talking about creating rhythms Rhythms that make a difference, and so you won't want to miss that. So be back for part three, and um, I want to invite uh, Nikki Maloney back up here. She has a few things that she needs to share with you, and as she comes, will you bow your heads and your hearts with me, and let's pray together. And so, God, I realize that uh, we have some work before us. And maybe the next right step for someone in this room or someone watching online is that they have yet to come to you for life. They've heard this so many times here, but you have yet to bend their knee, bend the knee of their heart and submit to your authority and to say, I need you, Jesus, to rescue me, to restore me, to redeem me. I'm coming to you, Jesus, for life. And I want to draw my life from you and learn to build my life around you, Jesus. I pray that if there's someone who needs to do that today, Lord, that you would show them and that they would say yes to your offer of abundant life through Jesus. And for those of us who have influence in our children's lives or maybe in the lives of, of they're, maybe they're not our children, but they happen to live with us or they're that we have a, spend a lot of time with them, God, I pray that these handles, these gifts of abiding and attention and adventure would make sense and that we would figure out creative ways to engage our kids in these areas. For the time we have with them is short. The days are long and the years are short. And we need to learn to count our days carefully so that we can have hearts of wisdom and so that we can train our kids up in the way that they should go so that when they get older, they will not depart from it. I don't want my kids to depart from you, Lord, simply because I didn't model this well. And so we're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do this imperfectly, but that's okay. Because you're with me and your Holy Spirit is guiding me and us. And so help us to listen to your leading in this and know what to do and have a lot of courage to follow through. And we will give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name.